1-800-BETS-OFF. It's a busy weekend for the Cubs as they agreed to terms with Dansby Swanson, reportedly close to a deal with lefty pitcher Drew Smiley. Today, the Cubs made it official, announcing the signing of Jamison Tyone. The Chiefs clinched the AFC West Division title for the seventh year in a row with Sunday's overtime victory in Houston. College football bowl season continues today. One game on the slate as Marshall takes on UConn in the Myrtle Beach Bowl in South Carolina. I'm Doug Thompson. For the win from the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, where every Monday get one of Jethro's world famous meal deals. Score! This is Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Welcome back. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO, five minutes past noon. Uh, Nick Athen coming up here on the Chiefs. So, yep, they're winning. I guess that's the bottom line. Uh, but uh, we'll uh, get the latest on the Chiefs and then Scott Dockerman on the Hawkeyes. Uh, we start things off, however, with the head cheese, zonecoverage.com. Dave Sinekin, year 27 of Packer Preview on the radio up on KFA. And he also does a Saturday show in the Zone Saturday mornings on KFA and when they're not knocked off the air with something. Uh, Dave, uh, Trenton Ken, happy holidays. You know what I want to start with you is what a tweet that you put out on Saturday, I guess it must have been in the morning. I did not know this. I didn't. I didn't. It didn't even dawn on me how much Noah Eagle sounds like Jim Nance until you tweeted it. And my <laughs> gosh, you're 100 percent right. You know what? If, it, if once you once you tweeted that, and I and I started listening, I I could see why you tweeted that. He does. Yeah, it really struck me. I, it was funny because you see the kid. He's got to be 25. You know, right. and obviously nepotism rears its ugly head. Um, somehow at 22, we got the LA Clippers play-by-play job, but, um, <laughs> you know, I was anxious to hear him. And then I, I heard him and I just did a double take. I'm like, he could be a dead ringer and he's only 25. I mean, he sounds like he's uh-huh. 45 or 50. So he's a very talented young man. And, um, yeah, I just, uh, it really struck me. And I got a lot of responses that People thought the same. They thought it was Nance and wondered why Romo wasn't doing the game with him. Right. Yeah, I didn't realize it either until you tweeted. And then I started listening in, and by gosh, he's uh, 100% right. And he's improving because he did a couple of Iowa games this year. I thought he stunk. Mm. I thought he was oh. really good on Saturday. So I made a culpa there because I, I called him out. I thought he wasn't very good. I remember and, you saying that one after one of the yeah, games. Yeah, he yeah. just he wasn't huh. good, and he was good on Saturday. No, no doubt yeah, about he, it. He got quite a game to call, too. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you, you live you live in the Twin Cities, and uh, you, I love the back and forth that you and Paul Allen uh, have with each other. Well, what a game, right? I mean, just an amazing, historical game. An incredible weekend, uh, but a historical game that took place in the Twin Cities. Unbelievable. My son was just back from college. He, I picked him up. He got home about the second quarter, and he was so disgusted at halftime that, that he was ready to leave. And uh, what a turnaround and, and for a 19-year-old kid just to – you know, to be around that kind of excitement, it was it was fun to watch, and just obviously a stunning result yeah. among many this weekend. It really was 
about as entertaining, whether it was NFL, World Cup, it was a, mm-hmm. a, one of those epic sports weekends, wasn't it? It certainly was, no doubt about it. Well, when the schedule came out, Trent and I were talking about overreacting and dot, dot, dot. We couldn't wait for this weekend, uh, this week of, uh, of football, starting with Monday night. Oh, my God. The Packers and the Rams, and then you get that Christmas slate. I mean, nobody saw this coming. I guess the Packers are still, air quote, mathematically alive. But, boy, when the, when the schedule came out, this was one of those games that – you had no idea how big the stakes were going to be, right? The winner's going to get home field advantage, and the NFC certainly hasn't worked out. No, I think when, when networks lobby for the key games of the year, you know, they're doing like a, a fantasy football draft of games, I would think this would be a top three pick. And much like many top three fantasy picks, Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, they don't always go the way you, you want them to go. Uh, and for Buck and Aikman, you know, they're so used to having the, yeah. the choice of the Fox game of the week. And, you know, for Packer fans, we're so used to Buck and Aikman calling our games. This will be the first one. And obviously there's very little to play for. Rams are out of it. Packers are, as I call them, a dead team walking for mm-hmm. me. I, I know they're alive, but I, I just don't see them going down to Miami on Christmas morning and, and knocking off a, a, a Dolphins team off three straight losses. So, yeah, not a whole lot to play for, but, you know, it's, Lambeau Field, it's Monday night, it's Rodgers who's won eight straight times on Monday night football and for Packer fans uh, finally get to see Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs on the field together we won't see Sammy Watkins because the Packers just cut him, but we'll see those two young kids on the field tonight, they've only played 65 snaps together all season At this point in time Dave, this is kind of the biggest storyline of a lost season for the Packers, right? The emergence, certainly of Christian Watson we saw him have that drop way back in week one and then injuries, and maybe Aaron Rodgers just not one to throw to him very often. But this dude's a playmaker here. I mean, does it feel like early on with Devontae Adams, early on with Sterling Sharp, early on with some of the great receivers of Packer lore that, hey, this is something here. This is not going to be a good receiver. This kid has a chance to be a star. Yeah, for sure, Trent. It's just, you know, it's weird because through the Rodgers era and even the Farb era, they've never really counted on rookies they uh, receivers their rookie year. There's always been this depth chart where you had to wait your turn. This year, of course, not the case. They were really hoping for instant contributions, which is not realistic. If you look at rookie receivers throughout the year, you're not going to get 16 consistent games from too many rookie receivers. They'll jump up and surprise you here and then, but uh, week in, week out, you're just not going to get that. So, yeah, the emergence the last four games, eight touchdowns, I think six through the air, two on the ground, the um, eye-popping speed and um, the athletic ability jumps off the page. And, you know, before he got hot, Romeo Dobbs was really showing his chops, too. I mean, he got hurt the very first catch he made against the Lions and got knocked out of that game, and we haven't seen him since. So, yeah, it's it's exciting. There's not a whole lot to get too thrilled about. The defense is still disgusting, and, <laughs> and the offensive line's been questionable, and it's going to be tough to run on the ramps tonight, but I think that passing game should have its way. And, and watching Jalen Ramsey going up against Christian Watson, which I assume we're going to get a heavy dose of, uh, that should be worth watching tonight. No doubt about it. Do you get the sense though, that we may be approaching the end of David Bakhtiari's career just because you know injuries have taken such a toll on, um, on one, at, at, at his peak, one of the best left tackles in the game, right? But, but he's just been unable to get back to that level. Do you think we're because of injuries we may be coming to the end of the Bakhtiari career? Yeah, I think it'll maybe more his decision than the Packers. I mean, he's going to count... 20 million against the cap, give or take, whether he's with Green Bay or not. So I think, 
if, if they feel comfortable that another offseason and he wants to play, they might at least explore it. But I think there's a better than 50-50 chance that, that he's going to hang him up. He's made a ton of money. He's 30. Uh, now he's got the appendectomy, which is likely going to knock him out the rest of this season. And they do have some young tackles, whether it's Elton Jenkins, who they have to decide on as a free agent. Yash Nyman's going to be a free agent. He's really stepped in at right tackle. And they've got a rookie, Caleb Jones, out of Indiana, who they just uh, signed off the non-football injury list, who's 6'9", and they really like his um, his tools and, and feel like he's raw, but he has a chance to have a future. So they've, And Zach Thomas, the rookie out of Wake Forest, has played really well at left tackle in Bakhtiari's absence. So they've got some guys, and I think they understand that the future is not going to include number 69, but, man, he's been a obviously a great player out of Colorado, and uh, I wish him well if it's the end because his body just has not been able to hold up. So this Packers team still revolves around Aaron Rodgers. Where are we in the latest as the world turns with Aaron Rodgers and, and just looking forward to his future? Is it a realistic possibility of him playing in another uniform or not just cap considerations, but just him? Is that a viable scenario that could play out? Well, it's in his court. You know, he's signed for three years, so the Packers uh, are obligated to have him back. If he wants to play, he'll be the guy. And, and Jordan Love is chirping that he doesn't expect to sit for another year. So if Rodgers mm-hmm. is back, they're going to have to figure out. And I don't blame the kid. I mean, nope. nobody yeah. sits for four years. Um, so I think they have to first decide, or Aaron has to decide, what he wants to do. And that's come back, um, see if there's a team that wants him, or call it quits. And, you know, if, if it's a potential trade, you know, there's probably only a two or three teams you could think of that might look to make that kind of a move. And I think the Jets might be one that, whether it's Garoppolo or something, they're going to look to upgrade there because they've got a nice team outside a quarterback. But, yeah, I just I, I still think that, that Jordan Love is going to be Green Bay's quarterback next season. And, and whether it's a trade or whether Rodgers decides to call it quits, that's still what I'm going with. Um, but, you know, I, he sees these young receivers. He sees the... Uh, the potential there. He's talked about how I think it was Marshawn Lynch and Deshaun Jackson were at Cal the year after he left. So he knows what it's like to leave great playmakers behind. Uh, Nobody knows what's in Rogers heart right now, uh, but I'm sticking with it. I don't think he'll be back in Green Bay next season. Uh, Well, and you've said that since the, since the season started. So you're consistent, no doubt. Last thing, Dave, Matt LaFleur, is he going to be back? Oh, I don't see why not. I mean, I think uh, he's got to figure out what to do with the defensive coordinator and, um, you know, I think he's so loyal and doesn't want to admit a mistake, but I think he has to move on from Joe Barry. But no, I don't think you move on from Matt LaFleur after, you know, three straight 13 win seasons, even though this one went pear shaped. No, I, I don't see any scenario that, that Matt LaFleur is not back next season. Great stuff, Dave Sinekin. Appreciate you coming on as always. By the way, your picks against, I, I came, found it too late. I should have been following <laughs> that. Uh, dogs are barking another three. And oh, what were you this week? Two, one, and I think you had a push. Um, I went two, oh, and one. Yeah. Two, oh, and one. Yeah. I mean, you're on fire. It's like 75 or what are, what is your percentage with uh, using just dogs? Uh, I'm 27. I think I'm 27, 14, and four. Uh, my rule is they have to be at least a three-point underdog. And, you know, with Saturday games, I have to just look at the Sunday games. My pickings were a little slim. I really did like the Colts this week, but I couldn't include them. So, yeah, no, I've been on a nice little run. It's, it's been a lot of fun. And, 
making a few bucks on the side. Maybe sports wagering will come to Minnesota at some point. I see they're about to get so. they're about to get marijuana as early as May. I just saw a tweet from the the governor oh, Walls. Right. Wow. Yeah. Anyways, our Good friends stuff. up in Northwood hope that doesn't happen though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They like the people coming south to make their bets. Good no stuff, question. Dave Uh Happy holidays, Dave. Thank you. Yeah, happy holiday, guys. Have a great week. Yeah, you do the same. Dave Sinekin on uh, the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, how about that? We're going to be surrounded by pot. Well, that's good for you. Why would you say that? Because you like to partake. Uh, Nick Athen joins the program. He covers those Kansas City Chiefs. Nick, they keep winning. <laughs> I uh, got to give them that. But, uh, I mean, overtime against Houston, they're finding ways. <laughs> Uh, Cincinnati and Buffalo still have that game to play with each other. Uh, boy, Patrick right. Mahomes, I, I, I'm just you just run out of uh, ways to describe his play on the field. Taking a lot of hits, that would be the concern, right? Yeah, he's taken some hits. I mean, the the tackles have been poor. That's 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 probably the only word I can choose at this point on the radio. Um, they're just not playing well. They're playing great in the run game. Uh, you know, Orlando Brown, I could dog him all I want to. Uh, but he came up with two big plays on the touchdown run by Mahomes. He, he did his job. And on the touchdown run by McKenna, he, he blew that hole open. So, um, you know, that they're going to struggle at the tackle position in the remainder of the season. And that's going to be the number one priority in the offseason is to fix those two things, you know, left and right tackle. Uh, maybe, maybe Niang comes in and at some point, or maybe he's the guy at right tackle next year. Uh, personally, I'd give him a shot at left tackle. I think he's better suited to play there, but that's just me. Um, but, hey, they just keep winning. But Mahomes, they went 36-41, of 41, 336 yards, two touchdowns, two-point conversion, and he completed 20 of his last passes. That's just that's just incredible. Is that what he did at the end, 20 for 20? Is that what he did? He was 20. He, he ended the game on a 20-20 streak. Jesus. And the Texans are 112-1, but... <laughs> They've they've Still. shown a pulse, you know. They're yeah. they're playing hard. That's true. They had the Cowboys on the road. You don't see this by bad teams at yeah. the end of the year. I mean, got to give a little credit to the no. other team. They're still professionals, right? Yeah, fair point. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, Texans, the Texas, you know, they they played baller football the last two weeks, and then they were and they were head hunting too. I mean, they were head hunting on Sunday. There was at least three three penalties that could have gone on hits against Mahomes, and they were hitting receivers. I mean, Juju got nailed in the in the noggin at least two or three of those tackles. So, I mean, they came to play, and I, quite honestly, you know, you take away the turnovers, and this is a blowout. Um, but it, that didn't happen. The defense still, I mean, the defense, you know, we're, we're ripping these guys, you know, how terrible they are. But I think they only gave up, what, 240 yards combined? And, you know, the quarterbacks was 50%. He only threw, they only threw for, what, 160 yards? So it isn't like the Chiefs just played god-awful. But when they turn the ball over, you know, this team, this team struggles. Um, they end up winning most times, but you know you look at their three losses, and and you know you sit there and go, wow, oh, man, these guys these guys could be undefeated. You know the Chris Jones penalty, uh, the Travis Kelsey fumble against the Bengals, um, Mahomes throwing that interception on the first drive in the Bills game, and those are three wins. If those one, if those, if those things don't happen, so listen, they're they're getting everybody's best. The Chiefs are struggling a little bit because they have this deficiency on the offensive line, but they have the greatest equalizer in the yeah. planet, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Indeed he is. You know, as, as I as I look forward to, as we look forward to, potentially Kansas City and 
Uh, and if it is the Bills again, if you're a Bills fan, I think you have to be concerned about their ability to stop the run. Uh, the, when I watch the Bills, I don't see the strongest run defense. I'd like to, I mean, it has to be in the, I would think, the bottom half of the league. Pacheco and McKinnon. I'll tell you, McKinnon, it's, um, I don't know what, where he's, he's, he's found a rebirth is what he's done. Yeah. He's playing exceptionally well. Yeah, you don't get many 30-year-olds that hit their zone. You know, especially at the running back position. Right. I mean, he, you know, when they when they resigned him, the, I think it was the day of the draft, and this is after they'd gotten Pacheco in the late rounds. And I'm thinking, what are they doing? Why why do they need him? You know, even though they had Clyde Edwards-Helaire, and and uh, I think they'd already committed to Ronald Jones, Rojo at that point. And you know, here it is in this little signing. You know, he signs for two and a half, three million bucks, and it's insurance, and he's their most valuable player on offense. The last, you know, the, the, certainly in this game, and, and probably last week too. And he's just—they're using it. They're using his skill sets, and and it's—it's uh, it's amazing because I, I I marvel at this kid. He has gone through so many injuries. He was so talented. He played so great early on. You know, he played well last year. At the end of the season, he was their best back. And right now, he's their best running back. And he's a good—he's a good one-two with Pacheco. And you know, they still have Rojo out there, who I think can make significant plays in significant minutes. You know, down the stretch, but. You know, going back to your thing about the Bills, too, I mean, you know, the Bills and the Bengals don't stop the run very well, either one of them. Um, you know, but the Chiefs have to commit to the running game. And I think if they do, you know, they're they're going to be pretty hard to beat, you know, if they don't beat themselves. But the running game is going to be the key thing in the postseason. I don't care either stopping the run or gaining yards in chunks, getting first downs. Um, all three of those teams, any one of those threes can, can represent the AFC uh, in the Super Bowl, and, and that's what it's going to boil down to because the Bills don't run the ball very well outside of Josh Allen, and at some point he's going to get pulverized. I mean, it's inevitable that he's going to get hurt the way he runs mm-hmm. the football as the quarterback. And, uh, you know, the Bengals, you know, they run the ball pretty good, um, but, you know, all teams, you know, all three teams, you know, have an issue in stopping the run too, including the Chiefs at times. So um, that that's going to be the key for me. Another key come playoff time is special teams. Ding, ding, ding. Harrison Bucker. Ding, ding. Six of his last nine games, he has missed a kick. Right. When is it too much? Is Mm -hmm. it, hey, we're pot committed here. We don't feel confident Mm -hmm. to go out and find another kicker. Is it, this is what you get? You just hope that he's good come playoff time. Well, I'll give give you the silver lining to all this. My, My good friend Dustin Colquitt put a tweet out, and he showed the position of the ball. Um, on the missed extra point, was pointing forward. Uh, that's never a good thing. Mm-hmm. And the long field goal, the laces were on the side, not down the middle. So those, I, a lot of this is on, some of this is on the holder himself. Because I look back at some of the film, because thank God we have Twitter, and thank God we have people who have enough time to post these kinds of things mm-hmm. on there. But in a lot of these misses, the ball hasn't been in the right spot. And, you know, Budker is a, you know, he's he's a tactician. I mean, he knows what he's doing, but they're having some issues there, and that's something I think they're going to have to correct and spend more time on, clearly. But at least yesterday, uh, I would say the partial culprit was was the holder um, in, in Newsom, and I, I think that's or Tommy Townsend. Sorry, uh, that that's something that they have to correct, and, and that concerns me. Um, but it, it, I don't think it's Butker's mechanics. Um, I don't think it's his his his, his uh, ability or skill set. Um, you know, he has to have the ball in a certain position, and that wasn't the case yesterday, and that's why he, he missed those two kicks. PrimetimeSportsTalk.com and ChiefsFocus.com for Nick Athen. You can follow him on Twitter at Chiefs Insider. Happy holidays, Nick. 
uh, to you and the family. Enjoy Christmas with the little one. I know that you will, and we'll uh, talk with you next week. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas to you both and your families and everybody up there. Appreciate you listening, and uh, let's uh, let's do this again next week. Indeed. Thanks, Nick. Merry Christmas. Good to hear from you. Nick Athen, as we talk about those Kansas City Chiefs, you are 100% right. Harrison Butker's a It's a nervous moment when he trots out there. It is. Chiefs fan. Yep. He hasn't been good. Nope. He dealt with an injury this year. It's lingering. But well, didn't he miss a bunch of extra points last year, too? Did, it, it was one of the last two years. Yeah. But yeah, there, there was a stretch there. I think he missed like five, something like that, uh-huh. over the course of the season. can't remember if it was uh, 21 or 20. But yeah, he's had that before. 24-23 in Buffalo, Eesh. down by a point, 47-yarder. You confident? <laughs> well, he did it last year. He did. <laughs> in a big spot with no time on the clock. But no, not the, not what we saw anyways. We'll take a timeout. Our final guest is Scott Dockerman. He covers Iowa for the Athletic. Doc is next. Miller and Con- Oh, Mr. Monday Night still to come as well. It's the... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Moines Sports Station 106.3 online fullerdental.net Get in on the action with the world's largest sports book right at your fingertips Circa Sports Iowa is where the pros play. Enjoy the highest limits, lowest takeouts and competitive betting menus Download, fund and bet from anywhere in Iowa Circa Sports Iowa Sports betting the way it should be. Download your new bookie today. Visit circusports.com. Must be over 21 and present in Iowa to bet. Have a gambling problem? Call Radio and podcast. Bet Charlie's in Urbandale, along with the Grumpy Goat Tavern, is well known for great food, great drinks all throughout the day. But don't forget about what they have for breakfast. Get your weekend started right with their Bloody Mary bar featuring morning wood, Bloody Mary mix. While you're there, do some Christmas shopping. Buy $100 in gift cards. Get lunch or dinner up to a $20 value for free. The Grumpy Goat, Mills Civic Parkway, Ankeny, and the Winter Wonderland on 50th Street in West Des Moines. Along with Fat Charlie's in Urbandale. Mall. Now back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Just past 1230 on a Monday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Mr. Monday Night has his pick coming up. Packers 7.5 point favorite across the board uh, tonight as they will take on the Baker Mayfield Los Angeles Rams. But right now, Scott Dockerman joins the program. He writes for The Athletic where he covers Iowa and a lot of television, media stuff, etc. when it comes to uh, football. Hello, Doc, Trent, and Ken. Happy holiday, Scott Dockerman. How are you? I am doing well on this uh, on the happy holiday week here. and uh, But it is kind of a 
a grayer sky than normal here in Iowa City. I wonder why. Yeah, you just it makes you wonder, right? Uh, well, I guess it has something to do with a six foot seven, three hundred and thirty pound left tackle who was the highest ranked recruit in the history of oh the state. Uh, who it looks as though uh, we're talking about uh, Caden Proctor, obviously uh, that he is going to uh, not be a Hawkeye as many assumed that he would, and is indeed going to uh, head to Alabama to play for Nick Saban. Kind of late in the process, but certainly understand the young man what's uh what uh, what would behind his decision yeah I, I mean everybody can get why i mean you know alabama is the free no matter if they play in the playoff or not they are the premier uh college football program in the country with the best coach in college football history yep. in Saban. um so when you look over the last 20 years that alabama has more first round draft picks along the offensive line iowa is number two however um this is a a very difficult situation, obviously, for Iowa. And I think what adds to the level of it is I remember living through the Ross Hirschbacher era, oh, which sure. I know a lot of people have. And, you know, back in 2013 when he was committed to Iowa, then he went flipped to Bama, and he was kind of back and forth and before he finally went to Alabama. And, you know, he became a four-year starter, was started in two championship – well, four championship games, two victories for the Tide. And it's real comparable to this situation. The only difference is he didn't do it – you know, two and a half days before signing day, which I think makes this much more problematic uh, in the narrow picture and then probably big picture in his legacy. Although, to you know, he has not switched his Twitter profile yet, so I guess there is some slight measure of hope if you're an Iowa fan that maybe he changes his mind, but I don't know if that's uh, realistic or just wishing um, for something that's not going to happen. And it feels like uh, from everybody involved in the recruiting process, that's what it is. Just hope at this point in time. But reality is that Caden Proctor will not be an Iowa Hawkeye. With that, Doc, you got work to do now because you went into last season very young at a lot of places on the offensive line. It wasn't good. You're still going to be, though, more veteran next year. Still some question marks there. Logan Jones, are we sure he's a good center? Because those snapping issues continued all season long. Mason Richmond was good, but they couldn't find a tackle on the other side. Portal, is that the most realistic scenario? And how far behind is Iowa now that they weren't shopping in that portal for maybe another offensive lineman or another offensive tackle? They have been looking in the portal. I do know that. that okay. they have. Um, you know, now it has gotten a little bit more shallow. Um, but I think, uh, you know, he certainly can sell playing time right away. So sure. they have looked in there. But I think they also expected to have you know, a five-star offensive lineman who's 6'7", 330 that's got NFL potential mm-hmm. within two years to, to come in and save the day in, in January, and uh, that's not going to happen. And that is uh, an immeasurable loss, let's face it. This is not just your average guy who decided at the last minute, and the fact that he's from where you guys live yep. just adds to the complication of this. I mean, if he was in Chicago or Detroit or something else and made this flip, then he'd deal with it. But being an in-state guy who, who grew up idolizing Tristan Wirtz uh, and been to Iowa's campus, you know, dozens of times, this is just this is more like what well, I compare it to the the and I'm writing this right now actually that this is the recruiting version of L.J. Scott reaching the ball across the goal line in the Big Ten championship game <laughs> with 27 seconds left. Yeah, it just is a gut punch that you can't recover from. You might be able to find somebody in the transfer portal or late in the recruiting process who might be able to fill in, but you just cannot replace or replicate what he brought um, from a PR perspective and what you thought you had 
um, you know, two and a half days before signing day. Uh, Doc, I, I read your piece at the Athletic when you broke down the class, and um, and and the kid that you list right behind Proctor, I think I'm not sure how you say his name is it Trevor Locke uh, from Indianapolis. Well, might he be? Might he be the um, you know the, the the recruit in this class that finds his way to to left tackle, or is he on the other side of the ball, Doc? What do you know about him? <laughs> well, I think now everybody's going to hope for that. Um, you know, Trevor Lauk is, is a you know a four star recruit, and it's a it's a high level recruit for Iowa. And in most years, when you didn't have Caden Proctor sitting there, he would have been wow. Okay, this guy's got a lot of potential to step right in, or. You know, maybe, I don't know about start, but certainly be kind of that guy for the future at that position. But um, now he's going to probably have a little bit more pressure on him than normal. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to project with, with tackles sure. and with, uh, you know, because I think when we looked at the current redshirt freshman and you, you saw, you know, Connor Colby and David Davikoff and Bo Stevens, and you really thought, okay, this is going to be a one heck of a unit. It still might be, but there's a lot of questions there. So, I think that's probably the fairest way to assess this. I mean, you know, the, their guy who could be boomer bust is, is Cannon Leonard. I mean, you know, six nine uh, potential out the roof, but he's really, really raw. And, and maybe in two years or three years, you're looking at him and going, "Wow, that's uh, Spencer Brown," you know, or Trevor mm-hmm. Penning that went to Northern Iowa, or is it just a guy and he's going to be uh, just a guy? Well, you know, you don't know. So I think right now, though, you you know, you, everybody usually comes into this period smiling and and uh, I've never seen frowns like this before when it comes to recruiting in Iowa football. What uh what has led to the offensive line struggles the most the last couple of years? I know it's a bunch of different areas. Is it just frankly they didn't have a junior and senior clash all all the defections out of it? Is it as simple as that to you, Doc? Um no, but there that's a major factor. I mean, when you do look at the 18 to 19 classes, I know we've talked about this and I've written about it mm-hmm. before that when you have those injuries and those defections and guys just not living up to expectations. I mean, you just can't, you know, at a place like Iowa, unlike Alabama, which, you know, I went through it. I think they have, uh, you know, they, they would have three five stars within the last three classes at offensive tackle and seven, four stars. You can just move a guy in and he looks great. Iowa, you have to develop some because there are a couple who don't pan out. And then you've got to make sure you have somebody there who can do that. And in Iowa's case, they just, you know, they were too young. They didn't have anybody um, able to step in. And so I do think that the, the lack of either talent or experience was really a major, probably number one reason. However, you cannot get past the fact that it just didn't play well and say it's not a staffing issue as well. Because I do think if you look at the way either they were coached, led, or whatever, and it should have been better. You know, and I'm not saying that's all on George Barnett or – Brian Ferentz or Kirk Ferentz or whoever, but I think they have, you got to point the finger there too. So that's probably where I would start is not only they just didn't have the talent, but also that they needed to be coached better. Kayvon Merriweather said he will not play in the bowl game, uh, certainly will be remembered. I know the media will, will certainly appreciate his time uh, at Iowa. Uh, how will you remember Merriweather? And uh, have you talked to, you know, Dane Brugler or anybody like that? Where Where's his kind of draft range fall, Doc? Are you at that point yet trying to uh, trying to uh, figure out where it uh, rounds? He's, look, he, he may hear his name called at. Um, I haven't talked to Dane yet. I mean, he's probably a low-level draft pick. I mean, that's at best, and possibly a free agent. Um, you know, and maybe he, he improves himself during the process. Maybe it's just a matter of getting his forty time up and his agility drills, and getting an invite to the combine, and then really showing off because he did play well, no question. He, 
And I think his legacy, you know, as you said, it extends well beyond the playing field. He was a very good safety, no question. And, you know, and I, I think that will be well documented. But his impact and what he did for Iowa um, through the racial bias investigation of the summer of 2020, the way he was able to conduct himself as a leader um, and, you know, win the inaugural uh, Duke Slater Golden Gavel Award is someone who really holds up, holds himself up with integrity and, and, and not in all interactions. And I think, you know, what he was able to present to the team this year is just, uh, you know, beyond what you would expect from a normal player. So I think his, uh, again, his, his impact is immeasurable and it, it's something that uh, should be cherished. And I think somebody you can hold up, uh, you know, hold up to for quite a while. Doc, Ken posed this question to me on uh, Friday last week, and you love the bowl games. We've talked about in the past, you you would probably like a system where we kind of morph back to what we used to have, but what are the future of bowl games? When we get to a 12-team structure, I've maintained, look, they still get TV ratings, there'll be some kind of product out there for the teams that don't make the playoff, but when we look at the structure, say six, eight, ten years down the line, what do bowl games look like and how many are there? I think it'll be curtailed a little bit, Trent. And I, I did write that story last week. I oh, did you? To several people connected yeah. with bowls from bowl season to several uh, bowl, um, you know, to, to ads and, and commissioners around the country about the future of bowl games. And and I really think that there is a place for it. I think it'll be cut down a little bit. Uh, ESPN is a major factor in this because they yeah. own you know sixteen F- FBS game bowl games postseason ones and i think uh you know they're able to prop them up and as you said 19 different bowl games um had higher ratings than the number two regular season college basketball game last year and and so it's not even close i mean i'll be interested to see what happens saturday when you look at some of the those basketball games in the champions classic versus uh bowl games because even with the nfl there i wouldn't be surprised if their ratings were higher and so you know, there's going to be a place for it. Where the hurt is going to be, and this is where they have to have significant discussion, is the bowls that we see like the second tier, like the Citrus Bowl, the Outback or ReliQuest, the Alamo. Great bowl games that have good matchups now. Um, that's where they're going to get the hurt because <clears throat> when you see a team that goes to the Big Ten or Big 12 championship game and it loses and it falls out of that playoff discussion in their 13th or 14th, are the fans going to travel? Right. I mean, are the players going to completely opt out? Those are issues that they have to figure out because that's what's going to determine their relevance in the big picture and attendance purposes because people will watch uh, their bowl games. It's college football. When people say there are too many bowl games, I laugh because I'm like, well, <laughs> they still get a million viewers. Right. It doesn't matter if it's two G5 teams that are 6-6. Six and six. So I think it's just a matter of to preserve them, you've got to make sure because Iowa and Kentucky's game is a poster child for all the opt-outs and injuries and, and everything to what the Bulls are going to have to do. And, and the, the message spinning forward is it's, a, it's about a preview to next year. It's, it's not a conclusion to this one. Uh, speaking of the Music City Bowl in Nashville, when will your coverage begin uh, on the ground in Nashville? I'm leaving on the 26th, so not a whole lot of uh, that. The team gets there that day, and then uh, all the interviews start on the 27th. So it's going to be a a packed week that way, and there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, a lot, a lot to look forward to because I think we might see a true freshman safety who was a five star yep. last year uh, might have his first career start, and I think uh, that's one thing you can be excited for amid all this grade A 
stuff here in, in Iowa. It sounds like, you know, just real quick, Doc, the NCAA did the right thing this weekend by not holding bowl participation against that magic number of four games that will cause you to uh, burn a redshirt. Long overdue, in my opinion, but they got it right by the, by by all accounts. Absolutely, because, you know, now it's not really going to impact Iowa very much, but a lot of teams do stretch that to four, and it almost did with Cohen and Trainer. They held him out of that game against Nebraska. Otherwise, that would have been his fourth. And they and so uh, had he been in a fourth, he wouldn't have been able to play. And, and I think that's fair, because if you're going to be in there all year long, if you're going to have these kind of opt-outs, you've got to make sure you have players who are allowed to, to participate fully. Um, it, again, you know, when you're having some teams with, 20 players off the team, you got to be able to fill it in. It's a health and safety issue as much as anything. And so it, it's, it's just too bad it didn't happen uh, before because I think in 2016, Iowa could have used TJ Hawkinson against Florida in that bowl game. Indeed. Good stuff. Thank you, Doc. Appreciate it. Merry Christmas to you and yours. I saw you miss both goals by France yesterday. Hope the fire was worth it, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I couldn't believe I missed it. But yeah, happy. Happy, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah to all of you as well. Absolutely. Doc, we'll uh, find a time. Hopefully your schedule will allow you to join us next week at some time from Nashville. Thank you. All right, thank you. Good to talk to you. Scott Dockerman uh, writes for The Athletic. Yeah, Doc went out to get some firewood. was 2 nothing. He came back, was 2 apiece. Timing. Yeah, everything, right? Well, Mr. Monday Night's on a heater. Green Bay is a seven and a half point favorite tonight. In comes the defending Super Bowl champs. The weather forecast is not bad. It's going to be in the teens, but it's actually going to apparently supposed to warm up as the game goes on. Not bad. Well, considering it could be worse. You're going to sit at it, right? No, I'm going to sit at home in front of the fire and stay warm. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. <laughs> With year-end approaching, you may have a surplus of dental care as part of your health plan. Fuller Dental has appointments available between now and year's end. Visit fullerdental.net or call 515-266-3437, 266-3437 to schedule your appointment at Fuller Family Dental. Fuller Associates Family Dentistry located near Grandview Golf Course in Des Moines and a new location in Altoona. Ashley.com. Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Well, it's time for Mr. Monday Night. Winning record, to say the very least. In fact, terrific record Monday night. Now, Packers tonight are seven and a half point favorites. The Rams are the opponent. Lambeau Field, temperature in the teens, light winds. What are you going to do, Mr. Monday Night? Mr. Monday Night, 10 and 4 against the number four straight Monday Night wins. And we go back to our old favorite, the Doggies. Bark it tonight. How are the Green Bay Packers? Favored by seven and a half. It almost feels too easy. Yet, I looked at the public betting profile a couple of different places. Yep. People are all over this Packers team. <laughs> I don't get it. Baker Mayfield looked competent in the comeback. And the Packers aren't good. Nope. Seven and a half all day long. Let's make it five in a row. Well, Give me the Rams. You've certainly got a chance because you got four in the wind column to begin with. That's going to do it for us. Murph and Andy are standing by. They'll be here at one. Uh, the Cakes and No Drive with Heather and Sean coming up from 3 until 6. Have a wonderful day. We're Miller and Condon.